I want to preach to you tonight about message. It's one of my, this is a, a subject that's one of my favorite subjects. Uh, may the Lord let it come across. You know, if God doesn't come tonight, not much will be accomplished. But by the grace of God, He will come through the message. Let's pray. Father, Father, Abba, Father, we come and we ask you to speak through your words to us. We're hungry. We're hungering after righteousness. We're thirsting after it. We want you to help us to be a witness in this thing called life. In the short, it is, as short as it is, may you help us to be the lights we're supposed to be and the salt we're supposed to be. And just be pleasing in your sight. Help, Father, us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 18, verse 38 is a text verse. I did a little research on, I've always been intrigued by Pilate. Pilate. By the way, recently, not, I mean, fairly recent history, they found historical archaeological evidence that there actually was a Pontius Pilate. They found uh, uh, inscription in the wreckage that said uh, Pontius Pilate. Before that, there had not been any historical, archaeological evidence that there ever was a Pontius Pilate. Now, people don't believe the Bible, you know. They don't, if the Bible says it, they just don't take that for fact. They want something else. Well, now they have it. And everywhere that archaeology goes, it just proves the book. Everywhere science goes, it does nothing so far in my life but to enforce what the Bible has already said. The earth is round. Columbus figured that out. People in his day thought it was flat, you'd fall off the edge, but the Bible knew it was around, setting on the circle of the earth. And the Bible's scientific book is true to science. God made everything. It makes sense to me that it is. And if for a short period of time something came up supposedly contradicting the Bible, you know where you know what side I'd fall on? Historically, I'd fall on the Bible's side of it and say, well, in time they're going to find out that the Bible's really right and they're wrong. It'd just take a little time. Because for every time that I've heard science make discoveries in, the, in my short life, I have seen the Bible to be true in, in everything it's said. In fact, the more I study this book, the more I'm amazed at its accuracy, amazed at its power, amazed. I'm just amazed at the Word of God. I'll tell you, young people, be encouraged. Get in it. Know it. Eat it like it's uh, filet mignon, ribeye, and... Uh, tiramisu or whatever else other than dessert you like, and uh, it, it'll help you. It'll grow you. Matthew chapter 27, verse 13, that's not our text. I realize that you're at, you're at 1838, and I'll get there. I, I did a study on Pilate, and I found out that there were seven questions that Pilate asked Jesus. In his, in his discourse with Jesus, back, you know, in, in conversation with him, uh, he had seven questions that he asked him. He says in verse uh, chapter 27, verse 13 of Matthew, he says, Then Pilate said unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And then we go to John chapter 18, pick the conversation up. And then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said, Art thou the king of the Jews? That's the second question. And Jesus answered him on this one and said, Sayest thou this of thyself, or did others tell it to thee of me? Basically saying yes. Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation, the chief priests, have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? That's question number three. And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, 
and when my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. We know the Bible says that the devil, the Satan, is the god of this world. Verse 37, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. That is a Hebrew idiom of that's the way they said, Yes, I'm a king. And he reaffirms it. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate answered and saith unto him, this is really our text verse. What is truth? That was the fifth question. And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. There was a beautiful song written about that years ago. I find no fault in him. Boy, I love that song. And in verse, chapter 19, verse 7, we pick up the conversation. Jesus answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. And when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. Now, Pilate was afraid partially because he knew this man wasn't your normal person. His wife had warned, been warned in a dream not to have anything to do with him. And when and went again into the judgment hall, in verse 9 there, John 19, saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? That's the sixth question he asked him. But Jesus gave him no answer. And saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? And I think somehow he said it that way. Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and I have power to release thee? And Jesus' answer in verse 11 is just, just encourages my soul. And Jesus answered, Thou couldest have no power, at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Now be comforted, Christian, in that. When things happen to you, they happen because people have been given permission to have it happen from above. I don't think anybody touches a born-again Christian, not even the hair on your head, without permission from above. So I know bad things. We talked this morning about bad things happening to people and how God will use that if you accept it, embrace it, and put your arms around it. That's from God, and there it is again. He's saying the things that happen. He tells this heathen, Pontius Pilate, relatively ruthless Roman soldier, that you don't have any power except to be given to you from above. So... Five men in history have had a greater opportunity, or I should say five men, few men in history. I didn't like that for a typo. Few men, not five men, because I couldn't name the five men because there aren't any. Few men in history have had a greater opportunity than Pontius Pilate had. Think about what this man had. Though he was a heathen Roman governor of the Jerusalem, yet with him... Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the creator of all that is, according to the book of Colossians and other places, Hebrews chapter 1, the image of God, the express image of God, stood before him. These seven questions he got to ask the creator of all that is. Five of those questions he answered, 
Jesus answered. Imagine getting to question the Son of God at all, face to face. The one question tonight, which may be most important or interesting to me, is question number five. What is truth? Pilate was infected with an awful disease. You may not have known that. This disease is spiritual, is, is, is today a spiritual pandemic. I thought, you know, the mood of our time. The pandemic of COVID, which really never was a pandemic. And don't, I'm not even sure why they treated it the way they did. And I'm not sure why the whole mask thing, and I'm not sure why the whole mandate on the, on the shots. I've never seen anything like this in my life. I don't know what's going on, but something real big is going on worldwide. God's doing something because there's no power but of God, no power to be ordained of God. So something big's happening. Uh, but Pilate was infected. He had a virus a now spiritual pandemic. The same virus killed Adam and Eve and threw the whole creation into degeneration. Untold amount of misery and suffering have come from this virus, this disease of the heart. It is what often is called today as postmodernism. Uh, but it has gone by many names. Obviously, the root of it all is unbelief. Unbelief is the root and foundation of all sin. Pilate was ever so close to the Savior. I tell people, going to church won't save you. Hanging around Christians won't save you. Having a mom and dad saved won't save you. Having a grandpa and grandma that live for God won't save you. Ha having... Getting, getting buddy-buddies with the preacher won't save you. Uh, you know, some people think going to church every day, you know, taking communion or, or, or just giving to religious causes, those things will not save you. You can be ever so close to those things, ever so close to Jesus and miss him. How? Well, I'm going to talk about that. By the grace of how in the world did Pilate miss Jesus having this conversation with him, few people, few people, except for the apostles, had the kind of opportunity that he had, as, and especially as who he was. He, a pilot probably touched Jesus. I wouldn't doubt it. He spoke with him privately. We know that. He looked him in the eyes, no doubt about it. He heard his voice. He was allowed to ask uh, Jesus questions. But he missed him, walked by his chance for eternal salvation. Historically, Pilate was, uh, after, after uh, this event, crucifixion and all this, I believe he was transferred to some, I think Siberia or some odd, some way out, odd post, demoted and committed suicide. As far as we know, historically, that's what happened. To Pilate, how reliable it is, I'm not sure, but that's the history on him. He did not end well. The man who disputed with the very Son of God. How did this happen? Pilate did not understand what truth is. 
And I say it is present tense. Was, is, and is to be. Truth has no end. No beginning. Jesus said, I am the truth. That's a bigger statement than we get it. It's a bigger than we get. He stood before Pilate, living, physical, breathing truth. Truth incarnate. When Pilate looked into Jesus' eyes, he looked into truth's eyes. When he heard Jesus' voice, he heard truth's voice. When he reasoned with Jesus about where he, you know, what was going to happen, and he reasoned with the mind of truth. It was big. I read a book, I read numbers of books by Josh McDowell, who gives a good definition of Pilate's problem, this thing called, he, he identifies it or labels it, and he's not the only one. It does as a thing called postmodernism. Let me, let me define for you. I'm going to read this because I want to make sure I get it exactly right. Here's what he defined. Postmodernism is a worldview that asserts that external absolute truth, that is a truth that is true for all people in all places and at all times, cannot be known through reason or science because truth is either non-existent or unknowable. That, that's postmodernism. It's everywhere. It's been everywhere. Postmodern thought asserts that experience is more reliable than reason. Digest that. Experience is more reliable than reason. Pentecostal movement. And I love Pentecostal folks. A lot of them, I love their enthusiasm about things in a lot of ways. I like that. But I don't like the fact that they put experience above the Bible. You can't put your experience above the Bible. You'll fail every time. The Bible always must be predominant above your experience. But these people put experience above everything else. The idea of truth is created, according to this postmodernism, rather than discovered. In a nutshell, postmodernists say, if it's true for you, then it is as true as it needs to be. You make your own truth up. Postmodernism now shapes the attitudes of our society as a whole, for sure, our school system. And even though most people don't even know the meaning of the word, they believe according to its formal definition. Don't be surprised to meet many adults or even Christians who are reluctant to draw a line between right and wrong. I've met them, or to affirm a belief in an absolute truth. I've talked to, uh, and you're going to see this if we live so long, you're going to see some of these mega churches assert that transgenderism is just a choice, not a sin. Or homosexual marriage is just an alternate lifestyle and not an abomination to God, or no marriages and living together is just a, a personal choice of people, or polygamy, or and on and on it goes. What it amounts to is they will not draw firm lines as the Bible draws. You can read the Bible. Bible draws very firm lines. There's no gray in the Bible. You can be assured of that. There's just black and white, as we put it. There's truth, and everything else is a lie. There's no half truth, a white lie is a whole lie. A partial lie is a whole lie. There's no, there's no a little bit, well, it's a little gray preacher, but I don't know. 
Well, it may be with us, but it's not with God, for sure. These postmodernists have adopted a uh, mindset without bothering to check whether it, is a, whether it is based in absolute truth or it even needs to be. Perhaps if pressed, they might offer an explanation that borders on something like the New Age mysticism. But contrary to postmodern thought, we do not create truth. We discover it. It is there. It already is there. God has already made it. And what we need to do is know it, find it out. Belief does not determine reality. Reality exists apart from belief. My belief does not make God exist. My disbelief in hell, if I disbelieved in hell, people say, well, I don't believe in hell. That don't change at one degree Fahrenheit. That's the old timer's answer to that. You cannot believe hell all you want, but hell is a truth that Jesus talked about, warned people about, uh, gave them much information about, to don't go there. Whatever you got to do, don't go to hell. Please don't go to hell. I mean, I say that. It'd be better to lose your hand, lose your foot, or lose your eye and go through life that way than it would be to be cast into hell. Fire which is never quenched, a worm dies not. I'm not even sure what that worm thing's all about. But all I can tell you, you won't like it. Your belief in hell or not having a hell is what you need to do is not whether I believe it or not, it's whether you discover it to be true, accept it from, who, from the reliability of who it comes from. Truth is real and solid whether or not we choose to believe it, just as Mount Everest is real and solid whether or not you ever choose to climb it. You can say, I don't believe there is a Mount Everest. I've heard there's a Mount Everest from all kinds of people, but I've never seen it. I don't think it exists. Don't you hear people say that about God and the Bible and things in the Word of God? But Mount Ephesus exists. Whether you know it, whether you've seen it, whether you've climbed it, it exists. It is a truth. And that's the things of the Word of God. The effects of postmodernism have even come into the local church. Um. We say we believe the Bible is God's word and inspired and should be obeyed in every jot and tittle and really is an independent, fundamental King James Bible church that distinguishes us from probably all others is because fundamental Bible believers emphasize the specificity of the word of God. Every jot, every tittle, every dot of the I, cross of the T as it were, we believe God has control over the hairs of my head, and over the sparrows out there today, how many there are. Not one of those, <coughs> excuse me, not one of those sparrows falls without God. <clears throat> and I don't know, from looking in the sink, it's going to be tough to, to keep track of my hair. I got COVID, man. It, it cost me some hair. How many out here had COVID and cost you some hair? Hey, Amen. Will the time cost you any hair? No, it didn't cost you any hair. It didn't cost you any hair, brother. I had a hard time getting over COVID for sure, but I'm not sure I'm over it yet. <laughs> but amen. It does have some effects upon you for a while. So some people. My wife, however, 
got it, was less than a cold, got over it, has had no side effects of it. I look at her sometimes in a little bit of an envious way, and I just tell her the reason that God does not afflict you like he does me is because you're married to me, and that's enough affliction. That's enough. Enough is enough, you know. Postmodernistic, infected person will think we are legalistic. Can you imagine that? And cold-hearted. Why will they think that? Because we're exact. We're exact. If we believe in absolute truth, if the Bible says it, whether we believe it or not, that's what it is. But we believe it. We choose to believe it. We've discovered it. It's true. And so people that have been infected in some degree with postmodernism, they, don't, they, they like to keep things a lot more fuzzy than that. They like to have a little more personal room for, for your, your experience, your culture. They bring in culture in interpreting the Bible. Let me, can I say this statement tonight? Thank you for letting me. Culture has nothing to do with the Bible. The Bible has trans gone through 2,000, well, the New Testament, 2,000 years, the Old Testament, 3,500 years of cultures. When the Bible encounters a culture, it changes the culture and lines it up with the Bible. It doesn't change the Bible and line it up with the culture. When the missionaries went first over, and I've talked to some of them, went over into Africa in the bush of Africa and found everybody in the, in the bush of Africa and these little cities were naked and there was immorality. One medical doctor, Dr. Dreisbach, you must know Dr. Dreisbach, some of you guys. Dr. Dreisbach, I had his wife for class. What a, what a privilege to have her. And boy, she had some experience about missions 20 years over in Africa. By the way, he did the first artificial hip replacement. What a guy. Here he gave his life as a missionary. She's over there in the bush of Africa helping them old demon possession everywhere. He said it would be hard to find a five-year-old girl that was a virgin. And you know what, you know what postmodernism says? Oh, my goodness, you terrible Christians go into these cultures and you change their time-tested and inherited culture. Yeah, we change the culture of immorality. We change it to the Bible. And because of that, we often are called legalistic. And you can see why they would. When we take any scripture and, and make a stand on it, the postmodernistically minded or infected person will say we're not considering the culture or the circumstances or the situation we live in. Some examples. Let me give you some examples that we, we get hit on on a regular basis. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. The Bible only has one truth about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, right? You can't have two truths on this. Now, you can have, I like when people tell me there's different views. Well, that's nice that you've got different views on marriage, divorce, and remarriage, but there's only one truth. Your job is to find the right view that agrees with the truth. Discover it. Amen? So, Gospel Baptist Church, many fundamental fundamentalists believe that when you're married, it's for life, till death do you part, for richer or for poorer, for better or for worse, till death do you part. So we do not believe in divorce. We do understand murder. 
but we don't believe in divorce. Why don't we believe in divorce? Because the Bible says if you divorce your wife and marry another, you commit adultery. And if the wife gets divorced from, even though she's supposedly innocent party, though the Bible does not recognize an innocent party, that's a humanistic thing, that wife who got divorced from, she remarries, she commits adultery. And you can find this in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 19, Luke, uh, Mark chapter 10, Luke chapter 16, 1 Corinthians 7, and all these you can find this real clearly taught in the Bible. Postmodernism thinking, where there's not an absolute truth, believes it can be interpreted various ways by the culture that you live in. You see what happens. Pretty soon it's like, well, that was back then, you know, but now things are different. People today look at things, and that, but that doesn't have anything to really do with the interpretation of the Bible. So we're called legalistic. Women pastors. Bible makes it clear on that. A pastor is to be a husband and one wife. And many other reasons why it's a male-driven thing. But the, the world says, well, women can preach as good as men. Maybe better. I've heard some pretty good sermons in my marriage. You don't think my wife can preach? She can preach, man. How about your wife? And you know, that's point one, point two, point three, conclusion, summation, invitation. You get the whole thing, man. Ooh. I, God, God didn't say that men were to be the leaders in a local church and deacons and pastors. Uh, he didn't ask us whether they thought that was good with us or maybe that was good with our culture. And he never asks us those questions. He just states what it is. This is what I want you to do. I don't know about you. I think I do know about you. I just trust God enough to know more than I know. Amen. If, it's, if it contradicts me, then I go with him. How about, how about uh, discipline of those who are called themselves brothers but are out in open wickedness and sin? The Bible says we're not even supposed to eat with them. If a, brother's, if, if a man's called a brother and out into wickedness and sin and won't turn away from it, we're not even supposed to eat with them. That's, he said, well, how are you ever going to win them? we got to love on them. Listen, I disobey what the Bible says. The Bible says separate from them. That why? That they, they understand what they're doing is wrong and they repent of it. But humanistic thinking is, well, you need to put your arms around and love on them in spite of their wicked behavior, and maybe they'll get right with God. I'm gonna, if I have to choose between that reasoning or the Bible reasoning, I'm going with the Bible reasoning. It's just real easy to obey the principles of the Word of God that way. Um, our stance on homosexuality, that's just a, a no-brainer, really. Sodom and Gomorrah being the maybe clearest place in the Bible where God, what God thought about that, repeated it in the New Testament, our stance on abortion. Where do we get it? From the Bible. Oh, but you don't know the social impact of a girl getting pregnant at 16 years old or so and how it changes her life and she don't get to go to college and doesn't, don't maybe pursue her dreams. and don't get. That's a hogwash. When we stand before God someday, he's not going to consider all of that. He's going to consider whether you obeyed truth. Truth. Listen, if you don't get anything tonight, whether it be over the internet, wherever this thing's going to go, you're going to stand before truth, which is Jesus Christ, as a judge of all living, and be judged by truth. The books are open. 
One of them is the book of life, but the other one I believe is going to be the Bible and some other books. Those are the things that are going to judge us. So it makes sense to align yourself with the truth now. Early on in my, in my uh, Christian experience, by the time I was 18 years old, I decided that this was the Word of God. It was preserved by God. And it didn't give me, a, didn't give me any kind of trouble to know that because God who made the retina, God who made the human body, God who made all the insects, God who made all the fish, God who made all the land animals, God who made all the birds, God who made all that Hubble telescope looks at has no trouble preserving this. Come on. Come on. Humanistic reasoning wants to say, there's no way this could be the word of God. After 2,000 years passing down, it would have been corrupted and people would have infiltrated it. Yes, that would be true, except God. That would be true, except for God. And in the short time I've lived, I've checked that thing every way. Hey, I don't want to believe some pie in the sky. I've checked it every way. I can try to check it. Gone to people much smarter than I am. And they, they, they go say the same thing. It's the word of God. It holds. It holds. It holds. Our stance on abortion comes from the Bible. Our stance on capital punishment. Our stance against worldly music comes from the Bible. This postmodernism believes that no absolute truth, only relative truth, so truth consequently is fluid and not static. How, think about your people that you've talked to. As I'm talking to you about this tonight, think in your mind of people who won't take a stand on absolutes. They're infected with this postmodernism. You know, when, when God told Eve, the day you eat the fruit, you shall surely die. There was no wiggle room. Well, she looked at it and she says, man, it's pleasing to the eye, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life, make one wise. The three sins, she said, it's got to be good. She reasoned through it with human reasoning around the truth that when you eat thereof, you're going to die, and went ahead and ate it. And that's going to happen to everybody who violates the truth, amen. And we're all sinners, amen. Everybody's... Uh, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none understanding, none seek after God. We're all sinners, and we need to be saved. We come to Christ, which is the truth, who died for us on the cross, and the uh, third day was raised bodily, physically, visibly from the dead so we could have forgiveness of sins and an eternal life, name written back in the book of life. But now we're supposed to live for it. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us through these things. So, let me read you some Revelation chapter 22, verse 18. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. The words, not thoughts. Not thoughts. The NIV is translated by a thing called dynamic equivalence. God forbid that's a horrible method. It's a horrible method. Dynamic equivalence is what, it's me eating food, throwing it up and giving it to you. That's dynamic equivalence. And, and let, let me just put what the Bible says, and you just eat it firsthand. Amen? Well, I don't understand everything. No, you don't understand. Um, and there's more stuff you ain't going to understand. Amen? Do I have to understand it to be true? My little pea brain got to understand something for it to be true? No. 
know. There's a lot of things I use every day. I jump in my truck, and I drive home tonight in my truck by the grace of God. You know, there's a whole bunch of stuff in that truck I don't understand. I mean, the hydraulics, how they work, and the pistons, how they're going back and forth, and the compression, and the camshaft, and the, and the, the overhead valves, and, and uh, the bearings, and how all that's put together. I don't have to understand all that. I just have to know you go in there, push a button, boom, it starts. Oh, push a button. I know some of you are still using keys. <laughs> in every place throughout biblical history, God demands strict obedience to his words. Saul was dethroned, eventually killed due to his postmodernistic interpretation of God's word. David's family was cursed for his taking lightly. God's truth in the area of adultery. Samson was made blind and ground at the mill like an animal because he took lightly God's word. Ananias and Sapphira died and lost everything because they took lightly God's word. Over and over again, God expects us to obey in spite of what we may relatively think. So the question tonight, and I finish, is what about you? You find yourself applying God's word with a cultural twist, a circumstantial twist. Do you discount, discount God's word based on your mercy interpretation? I find people will tell me, Bill, I just don't believe God would send people to hell. Why don't you believe it? Because a loving God would never do that. Well, Jesus is a liar then. Oh, no, 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 I'd never say that. And I said, no, whoa, 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 whoa. You just said a loving God would never send people to hell, but Jesus warned about going to hell and was sure that they would be sent to hell if they not conformed to the word of God. So now somebody's right and somebody's wrong. You can't both be right, but they want both right. No, I love Jesus, think he's a good man, a wonderful thing, but at the same token, I don't think, no, it don't work that way. That's confusion. Confusion's of the devil. I don't believe you should make God in your own image. I've heard this for my whole life in reasoning with people. They make God to fit what they believe God ought to be like. Quit thinking with your, with, and be honest with you, we have a tainted uh, understanding of a lot of things, and we're influenced by a lot of things. Be careful how you say God is and who he is. God forbid that you use this phrase, what would Jesus do? First of all, you don't know what Jesus would do because you're not Jesus. And to really encompass that and to be able to do the right thing and make the right decisions, you'd have to know what was in Jesus' mind. Well, he's given us the word of God, which is the mind of Christ. And I suppose in that area, if you do what this says, then you're going to do what Jesus would do. But just to take somebody who doesn't know the Bible, they don't know, they don't know enough of the Bible to worry about, and they're starting to figure out what would Jesus do in this situation, do you think they're going to do well in that? I don't think so. I don't think so. Beware that you don't get infected by postmodernism. It has a high mortality rate and will maim and destroy your effectiveness for God. In raising children, one of the main things that infects them is this area of postmodernism. It's dangerous, but it's preached everywhere. It's preached all over the Internet. 
is preached at the public school system. It's preached in liberal churches and moderately liberal churches. It is everywhere. And if you're going to escape it, you've got to go back to the Word of God and read it and understand what it is that, it's, that Jesus, first of all, is absolute truth, and the Word of God is absolute truth. And it doesn't change for anybody or anything. You will have to change for it, not it for you. May God help us. May God help us. Pilate said, what is truth? Poor Pilate. Missed it. Standing right by it. Because he was infected and didn't believe there could be an absolute truth. And Pilate's been in Hades almost 2,000 years now. Wanting just one drop of water to cool his tongue. And that's, there is no end in sight for Pilate, for those who follow him. Make sure that's not you. Father in heaven, come tonight. May the Holy Spirit guide and direct these words and have them be placed in the minds of the people that you'd see fit and that they would be this, this like a medicine would uninfect this postmodernistic virus that wants to attack us. Father, we pray that your hand would be upon us tonight. There may be somebody in this room that knows not Jesus or Savior. They've been infected by this thing. Some of the things I talked about tonight are some things they actually believe. May the Father have more of an open mind to be able to seek some help. We're here to help. We're here to pray with you. We're here to ask God to help you. Whatever you need tonight, we have an old-fashioned invitation here at the gospel. You can come forward, pray, ask God to help you. Stand for truth, which someday you'll answer to. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.